Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, lovely. I'm Janet Ellis, and this is Twice Upon a Time, where each week I invite a guest to come and chat with me about their favorite childhood book. They often bring along their own battered copy. This is a podcast to celebrate that magical book which cast a spell over us and often still has us in its thrall. Welcome to Twice Upon a Time, and I'm delighted with two things that my guest is Phyllis Logan, and we're both guests of the Chiswick Book Festival. Now, Phyllis is an actor, but that hardly does you justice because your career is actually quite extraordinary, Phyllis, for winning um, a Best Newcomer Award with your first ever film. In fact, little note to producers, directors, writers, if you want to win awards, get Phyllis in. (laughs) The only thing is to warn you that they will go in her cabinet because (laughs) you have so many justified awards and wonderful praise for the things you've done and how absolutely lovely, first of all, that you live in these parts and that you're here today. Oh, well, thank you very much. Of course, you're a bit of an icon yourself (laughs) around these parts. (laughs) Um, What book have you chosen? Well, I I brought a few, but this is the one I've chosen, uh, Alison's Spy Adventure by the very prolific Sheila Stewart, who, how many did you? Fifteen. Fifteen Alison books. Fifteen Alison books. Mm. And as a young primary school girl, I was absolutely enamoured. It was nothing like my life, of course. It was all boarding schools and going up to the Highlands for their holidays and living with their lovely uncle and, you know, getting into all sorts of adventures, spy adventure being one of them. And I found this at home and it's got a little inscription inside saying, Merry Christmas to Phyllis with love from Mum and Dad, Christmas 1966, which was lovely because 10 years later, my dad sadly died um, at a very young age. And so it's lovely to have that that book and and rereading it again. It it just brought back so many memories of what I was doing at that time and what was in my head, probably a lot of mints really, but there was, you know, there was stuff going on in your life that you you forget about when time goes past. So many decades go past. How old were you when you got the book then? Well, I would have been 10. 10. Okay, giveaway. <laughs> Spoiler Sorry, alert. I, I did think before I asked that question, but I thought, no, it's in, it's on my sheet, so it has it has to come out. And when you, when you got a book to read, did you go somewhere special to read? Did you have a special reading place? Um, I don't think I did, actually. Probably in my room. I shared a room with my sister. In fact, funnily enough, one of the other books I've got here that I was starting to reread again is... The Merrifield Mystery by Marjorie Cleves, which my sister got as a prize at school. 
I just had to get bought that for Christmas, but she got hers as a surprise. And again, it's a similar thing. She would be in her bed reading her book and I'd be in mine reading that one and or one of Sheila Stewart's. Was your sister older or younger? Older. Did you swap books? We did, because I, I definitely read that one as well. And my brother, I've got one of... I had to buy this, actually. Oh, terrible. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if any of you are au fait with... Very much so, yeah. Jennings books. Jennings and Derbyshire by the wonderful Anthony Buckridge, which my brother, who's four years older than me, but we, we all passed our books around. I mean, my brother would not have been seen dead reading any of these ones <laughs> that me and my sister read. But he very gamely passed these on to us. So Anne and I, my sister, loved these books, the Jennings books. They're so clever and so witty. And for a 10-year-old, he was so funny and just tickled you, really, everything about it. And would you say it was a, a bookish household where you encouraged to Not read? particularly. We um, we mostly got our books from the wonderful library, which we did back then. I remember getting my first library card and it was always a great jaunt to, oh, we're going to the library this afternoon. Or And then laterally we'd take ourselves and never had to pay the fee because we always took them on time, clever girls and boy that we were. And... Um, and it was always just great thinking, right, what will I get next? So, How many books could you take out at once? I think we, there was a limit. Yeah, mine was, was four. About four, yeah. yeah. Three or four, yeah, it was a, must be a, about four, yeah. Did you always max it out? Yeah, well, you would because you'd think, oh, it's nice to have a wee stash. But as a, as a household, there weren't that many books. We, we had an Encyclopedia Britannica, that sort of thing, in it. In kind of not atlases, but dictionaries. My dad was very wanted us to all be able to speak properly. <clears throat> so yeah, we had all that sort of thing, it's which I lovely, think was quite normal for absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, back it's then. a lovely vision, really, of you going to the library en famille like that. Yeah, it's really really nice. So tell me, tell me about this book, this specific one, Alison's Spy Adventure. Alison's Spy Adventure. Well, Alison <coughs> and her brother. Niall, always end up in the north of Scotland uh, living with... See, I love this because they've got a little map of the... I love books with I maps. know. They've got a little map of the area showing you where Clarig and the Minch is, that's the, the, the sea, and the manse and the church and everything like that. So they used to go up every year to their uncle... What's his name again? I can't even remember. I've, I've read this book again. <laughs> <laughs> and they would invariably get caught up in some sort of adventure. I mean, to just give you a... I'll, I'll read her a few of her others, also by Sheila Stewart, Alison's Highland Holiday, More Adventures of Alison, Alison's Christmas Adventure, Alison's Easter Adventure, <laughs> Alison's Poaching Adventure. Anyway, <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And I, I there must even have... one called something like, well done, Alison. Well done, Alison. There's one like I that. Think. Yes, yes. But I must have read most of them and probably got them all out of the library. And of course, my mum would have seen that these were the books that I chose. So she would have sourced this at the local bookshop or whatever. Before we get to the meat of the plot, let's just have a quick word about the cover here for this, because... I don't know about you, but the, the cover um, would show you some young people, yes, 
And reading the story, they would purport to be Alison and Niall. But actually, looking at these two, they look considerably older than the children in the book. I've always thought that. And she's plastered and makeup. Look, yeah. at that, look at that mascara. It's yeah. inches thick. It is. Although that is a very... I would buy that orange. And, <laughs> yeah, and her roll neck, actually. And it turns out that the illustrator, Harry Green, actually illustrated things like Look and Learn. He was quite a good artist in his, yes. in his right, had things exhibited at the Royal Academy, but also illustrated later romantic fiction. And I think it's it's more, more like that, that, isn't it? Or it could be because Alison had she had Niall, who was she was more closer in age to, but she also had an older brother than sister. But they were always regarded as the kids. But that looks more like it could be Mary and Hamish. It does look more like Mary and Hamish. Children. Yes. But in actual fact, it's funny you should mention that because I've never been able to work out actually what age they are. Well, presumably they stay the same age in every book too. Yes. So yeah. busy, busy but life. at one point I remember them saying, Niall's a much better driver now. So Niall, I know, must have been able to drive. And yet later on in the plot, he's not allowed to go shooting. So yes, he might be able to work out his age from those clues. Well, I would say maybe about 15, and maybe in those days you could jump in a car and drive <laughs> without maybe a licence, I don't know. Let's see where they could go on that little map. Um, yes, this is, I think this is a tricky ask, actually, but can you, can you, can you sum up the plot? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, me, me neither, but let's, let's have a go between let's us. Let's have a go. Yes, it is very convoluted. Um, their brother, Hamish... Uh, works. He's an engineer and he's been working on this uh, safety device for this boat. And they've discovered there's a spy who's possibly looking for, you know, the, the recipe, as Alison calls it, for this safety device to give to... And the, the other countries never mentioned Russia. No, I have no <laughs> idea. But yes, the, the it's other... Hinted at, it's hinted at, hinted at. The other... This... Countries never mentioned, but so they know they suspect there's a spy going about, but and they get very intrigued because, of course, that's what they do. Alison and her brother Niall, they always manage to unsource the, the, the mystery, but it, it is quite convoluted because there's an old farmhand who lives on his own. And he seems a bit of a peculiar, a bit of a rum character. Alison particularly very suspicious. She's very him. suspicious of him. And so, and then they suspect that her dad's torch has gone missing in his barn. And then there's a friend of their brother, their older brother, Hamish, called Mr Cocker. And they're very suspicious of him as well. Particularly again, Alison. Particularly <laughs> Alison. She's a very suspicious little minx, isn't she? Um <laughs> So he's in the mix as well. You know what I love about this is when you're telling me, you're telling me in exactly the way you would have told me when you had that book, because that yes. is exactly what children do. And then, and then, it is how it's written. It is yes, how it's it written. Is. It's, a good, I mean, it's a good meaty plot, isn't it? It is a good meaty plot. And there's there's a, lots of twists and turns. Lots of twists and turns. And there's obviously, initially, the immense freedom, I presume, of the fact that Alison and I are not with their parents. They're no. with this uncle with whom they holiday in this, as Sheila says, this out-of-the-way but fascinating corner of Scotland. Yes. In fact, interesting, Non-existent her... part of Scotland, <laughs> yeah. but yes. But her authorial voice comes through every so often, doesn't it? Yes. She can't resist, yeah. despite the fact that um, they are going about these adventures. There's no adult to tell them not to. And in fact, everything about this will be a plot spoiler, by the way, so if you don't want to know what happens in the end, cover your ears. 
But basically, <laughs> at the end, when the children stumble upon the, the baddies, Cocker and Dougal, they are in jeopardy, but they're not in danger. And it's, it's a very good device, isn't it, really? Yes. To keep them, obviously, ready for their next adventure. I mean, nowadays, you know, when... I mean, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but they, they do find they themselves in a compromising position, don't they? They do. At the they end. Do. And normally you'd think, well, that's them. Curtains, they've had it. But, of course, you know, nobody goes about murdering children. Luckily not. Which is good, I suppose. Because <laughs> obviously this was first published in the 1950s. So a lot of the language in it is necessarily dated, but doesn't that add to its charm? I know. I mean, on the first page, when, when Alison is bemoaning the fact that it's, it's just between Christmas and New Year, this book, um, and she's bemoaning the fact that the wireless has got it wrong and it's not snowing. And immediately that pinpoints exactly where yes. you are. And the phone rings at one point and she thinks, oh, well, my uncle will get that because the instrument is in his room. And there are all sorts of little clues, really, I know, which really do. The, the thing at the beginning of the book she talks about, and of course, like I said, it was nothing to do with my life. I don't think books were written that had anything to do with... Because I'm from quite a working-class background, and but you couldn't get books like that talking about the life I had. These, these so, kids are definitely posh. Uh, they're definitely posh. In both these books, my sister's and mine, um, and at one point, so they obviously go to boarding school. And at one point she said, oh, I've got to make the coffee. And I thought, coffee? I thought that. <laughs> Who in Dickens' name, uh, children, had coffee for breakfast? It's like, <laughs> that seemed like the height of... Uh, well, I remember having a coffee at my friend's house round the corner, she was a similar age. Yeah. And she said, oh, shall we go after school to my house and we'll have a cup of coffee? And I went, yeah, all right then, great. <laughs> and she made it with carnation milk. Wow. Which was just, oh, it was delicious. I was going to say, was the coffee out of a... a it was, it was an instant. Instant coffee. Yeah, yeah, instant Out of coffee. a tin in out the other days, yeah. Yes, out of a tin with carnation milk. But oh. I thought, gosh, they've got very sophisticated tastes, these children. They, they have, yes, I coffee. noticed that too. Let's talk actually about the fact that um, Sheila very cleverly introduces a lot of the subsidiary characters really quickly. I mean, there's their friends, Sally and Ronnie, who yes. are good fun, and interestingly enough... <laughs> have been allowed to leave school early so that they could learn how to work on their father's oh, farm. I yeah. know. And then the Shona, who's the rather sort of... Yeah. Uppity, yes. Uppity, although, I don't know about you, but I think Niall and Shona are going to get together when they're older, don't you? He's, yeah. He's very flirtatiously cross with her all the time. Yeah, I know, and, and I she stomps off in yes. a, with her nose in the ear in a, a strop all At the one time. point, because she's, she's full of airs and graces, at one point he says to her, stop being so ritzy. Which is an expression I shall use from now on. Yes, I know. I like that myself. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very deftly done, really, that it, it introduces you straight away to the subsidiary characters that you're obviously yes, going to get to know. Yes, and the community as well, because you've got the minister, who is, who's a very good friend of ours, they say, which is a very grown-up thing for them to say. But, oh, yes, oh, he's father's friend, but he's our friend too. He, we really like him, and he's lovely. Always. He's lovely, and he's housekeeper, Miss And he's Scott. housekeeper, so yeah. we get to know them. We get to know them. And their housekeeper... Miss Scott. Miss Scott, yes. Yeah. We get to know her as well. So you, you've you've got the whole build-up of the surrounding community and and people, and Rab, Rob. Yes, yes, and... and 
Colin, who they, they call Daft, Daft Colin. I know, you wouldn't get away with that. Now, would, would I don't you? think you would, although he is material to the plot. Before we go any further, though, there is one obvious thing with this book. Now, I can read, I don't know, Great Gatsby or something perfectly happily without hearing an American voice, but this is a Scottish book, isn't it? It is a Scottish book, but I suppose in my head, I read it in my own voice. Yes. Which... You know, actually, be lovely to hear you read some of it. Oh, to right. hear the, the real flavour of it. Yes. The real flavour of it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, this is interesting. Sorry, but no, no, no. Um, so they they were talking about in the past. Alison and Niall had always played an important part in helping to catch the criminals. Alison and Niall were discussing some of these adventures now as they washed up after waving Kirsty off for the day. Which do you think was the most exciting, she asked, shivering as she remembered some of the more terrifying happenings. He considered, the time Hamish was kidnapped, I think, and we nearly got grabbed ourselves inside Clarig House. Hmm, that was pretty awful. So was the ghost, Ashnish. And Niall, will you ever forget the time that dreadful colonel tried to sink our boat after we'd found the treasure? <laughs> no. And the time I was jammed inside that secret passage from the cave? <laughs> the front doorbell pealed and she broke off to go and answer it. She returned holding an orange envelope in her hand. Just this. Anyway, that's beside the point. But yes, that was... Isn't it? Just having a casual conversation over the washing up. Kirsty's the housekeeper and she's, she's yes. gone out. But then they're recounting these adventures, which even one of those would make you keep a closer eye on your children, I think, let alone <laughs> let them out again. And a bit later on, because obviously this is between Christmas and New Year, so it's, it's really cold, and they want to go skating. But their uncle is a bit um, circumspect about this and said, well, we've got to wait until we really know that the ice is solid enough. And now points out that that's probably because Shona had to be rescued from the ice yes. on a previous day. So not surprisingly, he was Nearly you know, drowned being cautious. In the yeah, exactly. Lake, yeah. Kind of. yeah. And I, I love the way, having never read these before, you build up such a picture of this life of theirs. And it's, it's not intentional on Sheila Stewart's part. But she throws in things like, you know, the wind was really cold and so their kilts were blowing. And you think, of course, they're wearing, yes, they're wearing kilts. Kilt. And, and little short socks, yes, probably. very, very thick. Absolutely, very... I think mm. thick socks. But yes, that, that sort of detail. I know, but she also brings out a lot of nice stuff about it. It felt nice to be walking in this crisp winter day, even though there was a sharp wind coming from the east and, you know, it would have froze you. But she just took delight in the surroundings. And, and I've recently just been in Shetland. And not that that's where that's meant to be, but... Uh, that is such an extraordinary place, and you do get that cold wind. But every view, every angle you look from, you get this fantastic view of the hills, the sea, no trees, of course. But um, uh, So it sort of puts me in mind of a specific highland sort of setting with little caves and coves going down and bright blue skies whenever it is a crisp morning and but thundery clouds as well when the weather's coming in and it's getting all a bit wintry and dark and it just 
her descriptions of the weather just contribute Wonderful. to it yours as much. too i think yeah. yeah everybody's bought a ticket now so <laughs> just say we are for a minute but yes there's there's a passage in there where they're standing by the sea and it's Alison who's luxuriating in it, but I yes. think it's Sheila, isn't it? It's yes, just that it probably is. It's, it's a little sophisticated, but but they go to watch the waves. Yes, Remember, exactly. They, they, yeah. they want to watch the crashing waves on the shore. Yes, and and that's what they do. Oh yes, we're going to do that today, and it seems like that's a sort of a quite regular pastime. Yes. And again, they and they off the leash look forward there. to it. It's <laughs> not like. Oh God, we've got to go and watch the crashing of the waves now. Exactly. No, there's no, actually, they are often, particularly Alison, often frightened, but they're not reluctant, are they? No. They're keen on all of this. Oh, well, Niles. He's he's driving it all, but she's very canny. She is. Sheila, being a woman herself, obviously doesn't want Alison to appear like a wimpy, girly, girly. She, but but still, in all, she would be scared in these circumstances. But she always steals herself and finds a another bit of grit to help her get through the next hurdle and the next. And interestingly, right at the end, when the kids are in danger, they get out. It's okay. When they are in danger, <laughs> yeah. Sheila talks about how Niall feels, and it's the only time she does it. She says. He was obviously feeling afraid because he, unlike Alison, knew that they were in real danger. And yes. I thought, how interesting that just for that moment, yeah. she stepped in almost as their mum. Yes, I know. <laughs> to say, oh, actually, it must have been awful for both of them because yes. Alison is the protagonist. Yes. But it's funny, isn't it? Because she can't help slipping in the fact that whenever they go anywhere, it's always Alison who has to pour the tea. You know, yes. it's, it's, <laughs> there are definitely gender divisions. Oh, definitely. This. Yes. Oh, they were, did they not both help with washing up at one point? They helped with the washing up, but that's very much because I think it sounds as though it was sort of amusing to do it. Yes. Because when, when Kirsty goes off duty, the housekeeper, she leaves them food to eat, you know, and yes. the idea is that they're making their own lunch. Yes. And in fact, Alison says this wonderful thing of, I love feeding in the kitchen. Yes, I know, feeding in the kitchen. <laughs> Obviously... They normally had their meals yeah. in the so dining room. So specific that though, isn't it? And there's another I mean, we way... never had a dining room. No. No, it was just the kitchen yeah. and we just Feeding ate everything. The... We fed in the kitchen <laughs> all the time. And there's another one when, when she's describing the, the little cottage they're keeping a close eye on because it's where the torch is concealed and where one of the ne'er-do-wells might be hanging out. And she says, oh, it's a, it's a tiny cottage. What is it? A button a ben. A button ben. Which I'd never heard before. Oh, well, button ben, it's famously... If anybody has ever heard of either... The Bruins or Ur Willie, which was a publication by D.C. Thompson up in Dundee. And every year, apart from books like this, we would get the Ur Willie Annual or the Bruins Annual. And the Bruins were a family of, oh, I think it's about eight of them. And they had a place up you know, probably Loch Lomond or somewhere like that. And they had a wee button ben, which they went for their holidays, which is, I suppose, like a one-rooming kitchen sort of thing. How they all got to go there, we should try looking at the Bruins. They're a riot. So in the Sunday Post, they used to have a little strip, every an Urwally strip and a Bruins strip in their button ben. And um, 
yeah, that was that's what about bayonets, yeah. basically. Because funnily enough, Sheila Stewart, when she first started work, worked for DC Thompson. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Well, you know, she was a journalist to start with. Was she really? Was she, she wrote done about research. Um, <laughs> 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 There's not much about her actually. No. No, she plays her cards close to Sheila. That's not Does her real name. Really? Her real name is Gladys. Baker, her name was Gladys. Um, Gladys Baker, and she started as a journalist, and she also wrote uh, lots of books about antiques, and that's as far as you get, really, with the research on her. Isn't that? Lived a quiet life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was the daughter of a minister, so lived in the manse. Yeah. In Scotland, or? In Scotland, very much, yeah, yeah. Gosh, that is fascinating Absolutely, to yeah. find out. Yes, she died in Creef in the end, which is where her husband retired to. So there's an element, I suppose, of the women being sideways on in this book. Yeah. And... At the end, when everything has come right and they have discovered the baddies, although I have to say, just picking holes in it a little, Sheila Stewart wraps the plot up. I know, very. Rather quickly. And, and gives <laughs> most of the uh, plot explanation to another character, Colin, who then doesn't said he doesn't want any credit for this. Oh, I know. So first of all, the kids take the credit. And then Niall says, oh, yeah, when, when their uncle says, I suppose you would like a little present for this. Can you remember what he said he wanted? He wanted a an outboard motor. <laughs> and Alison thinks to herself, that's not what she would have chosen. I'd really have gone for a new tennis racket. Yes, or wins. a horse. She's or really horse. jealous yes. of Shona's horse. <laughs> but then she goes, oh, but, you know, now I'll be so happy with this. Yes, so she defers so she to the man, <laughs> yes. the boy. Yes. And so an outboard motor. I suppose she would get the benefit of it too. But Well, that's, that's thinking like Alison. Yes, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Well, that's what she says. But there aren't equivalents to these books now, are there? No, because, like I say, most of them, like this, and obviously the rest of the Alison books, and even this one, Marjorie Cleaves, The Merrifield (laughs) Mysteries, my sister's book, it's all boarding schools and, you know, going on holidays. I mean, this one's hilarious because she, she has to stay, this Merrifield mystery. I know we're talking about this, but... She has to stay at the school with only a few others because most of them have gone home for the halls. But one of them said, oh, it's a shame Mama was, you know, she was an act, she's on the stage or in the films or something, her Mama. And we would have been in the south of France or somewhere if it hadn't been for the fact that she's got something else to do. And so we have to be stuck here in the thing. I mean, it's just like how I even identified with that sort of thing, because it was as far removed. They might as well have come from Mars, all of them, because it made, well, it did make sense, but it was nothing I could particularly relate to. But I I lapped it all up. I lapped up Alison like mad, even though my life was as far removed as you could get from that. But that's probably part of the joy, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Immersing yourself in in a different world. Mm. And she does allow the, the children, Alison particularly, to have some thoughts about life beyond the, the small world that they're staying in. And there's one bit that really struck me. When, when they go to a, a country dance, there's a bit of a to-do about this first because Shona, stuck up, uh, wants to have a dance class in her uncle's, another uncle, another uh, yes. uncle's house. And Alison and I will say, oh, no, come, come along to the, to the village hall because the floor's not as good, obviously, and the music won't be as good, but Rab plays a mean fiddle, so come along for this. And they were all incredibly excited about it, really, really excited about it. But at the end of it, you know, there's a sense that that made me feel excited reading it. You know, that that was the highlight of their 
month yes. staying and they yes. had an absolutely wonderful time. Oh, they had a great time and you, you could hear the skill of the pipes in your head, you know, as you were, you know, imagining them all doing a, take your partners for an eight some reel, which of course, I don't know if you did country dancing. One of school. my many schools I did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and of course it was kind of being come from Scotland, it was kind of obligatory <laughs> that you would... So I know the dashing white sergeant, the eight some real, the two step, the this, that, the other, you know, the 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 gay gardens, the one where you go like this and then turn around and do all that. Yeah, I there's, loved there's all a, that. There's enough folk here, we could do that. Yeah, now. we could have it. How many eight eight some real? Yeah, we could do several. But at, at the end of the beginning, sorry, at the beginning of the dance, um, Miss Scott, you know, who's the, who's the uh, the housekeeper at the manse turns up not wearing her customary black dress and white um, collar uniform, but wearing a dress. And Alison thinks, suddenly, she looks much younger. She looks much younger. And she thought, I I just thought that maybe she was really old, like 50. But it turns out she could be 35. Which is still really Which is still old, old, she says, isn't it? Which is quite bad enough, she says. (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Speaking of appearances, Phyllis, um, your your career encapsulates some of the, it's, it's an unavoidable phrase, some of the best-loved TV, things like Love, Joy, and of course, Downton Abbey, and the wonderful Guilt. But the characters that you've played, apart from, apart from the Lady Jane in, in Love, Joy, tend not to be the ones who are the longest in the makeup chair, it's fair to say. <laughs> Do they not? <laughs> I know. Um... <laughs> Well, you no. Know, having said that, I'm intrigued actually that you told me that Sheila Stewart was into antiques and stuff because, of course, Lovejoy. You know, yes. Fine. Uh, no, the longest is uh, like Mrs. Hughes in the makeup chair because I have to get my hair stuffed under a wig, and then get it all, t- yes. you know, the taped. lace all yeah. taped in or glued in, and then minimal makeup, of course. But uh, really, everybody uh, <laughs> <laughs> can tell that. <laughs> Yeah. I know, I know. But, but I mean, what a gig to get, as it were, because not only was it such fun to do, and I've made some great, lovely friends out of it who I continue to see all the time. It just appealed to people um, worldwide, it would seem. Amazingly, yeah. And I'm still getting residuals, weirdly <laughs> enough, <laughs> which I think 
do people still buy DVDs? They plainly must. But um, anyway, so Marvelous, yeah, that was yeah. great. And of course, Lovejoy was, uh, I mean, that was the first sort of long running thing that I did. When I think of it, I just think we laughed like drains the whole time. I mean, McShane is hilarious, as was Dudley Sutton, as was Chris Jury, as was lovely Malcolm. But we just used to have such a laugh. And it always seemed sunny. <laughs> there must be days where it poured down, but I always remember the sun shining. Maybe it's because we were just That's so happy to be in work That's and doing something. With... And it made me laugh when I read an interview with you when you were talking about filming in Sri Lanka. And it was really hot. What was the name of the programme? Good Karma Hospital. Good, Good Karma Hospital. And you, you reminded me of the fact that in the olden days, when it was really hot, the makeup artist would soak a chamois leather in 4711, cool. whirl it round a few times to cool it off, and then stick it on the back of your neck. Do you know what I did last night? I did exactly that. Did you? I got a chamois leather, and I we had the fan on in the bedroom, but it wasn't even cutting it. And so I thought, I know. And I have got a bottle of 4711 at home. I went down to the cupboard, got the chamois leather out, soaked it in water, first of all, and then give it a good old spraying, whacked it around my neck, <laughs> went back to bed. And, and it really worked. And it worked. Oh, yeah, well, it did. But then it dries out. But by, the, by that time, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was asleep. It's a lovely... But it's a very good way of keeping cool. But didn't they used to always do they it, especially did. to the men who yes. would be in, in suits, the in back jerkins, of the neck. Yeah. That's what used to get worse. <laughs> anyway, try it. Um, what, what made you want to be an actor? Oh, well, there wasn't much else on offer for me. <laughs> well, it wasn't I, in your background at all, was it? It wasn't at all in my background. At one point, I flirted with the idea only because my cousin's husband was a vet, and he'd have some recovering animals in the kennels out back of his house. And so I was allowed to go and say hello to a moggy with a sore eye or a dog with a broken foot or something. And I thought, that's it, I'm going to be a vet, thinking all you need to do is love animals. Not that it takes about seven to ten years training to do it. But when I started secondary school... I did sort of plays and things at primary, but I, at secondary school, I, I took it all on more seriously. I joined the the drama club, so I was in every play that was going. I, I joined the film club, so we used to be able to watch films in the gym every other week or once a month or something. I joined the theatre club, so we all went out to, like, the Citizens Theatre and various places to see all the shows. And so... When it came to deciding what I was going to do, it was a friend who had said to me, well, I suppose you could go audition for drama school. And I thought, oh. So I mentioned this to my careers officer, <laughs> who said, well, you, you need so many O-levels, A-levels, hires, this, that and the other. And I was like, he said, so you, you're not going to go in, so that's pointless. Yabu sucks to that <laughs> careers officer, is and what I And many other careers officers, I think <laughs> yes. we agree, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So yes, unfortunately, I did apply and, and got in and, and yeah, so, and I'm so glad I did. We're so glad you did. The, the productions, you know, you've worked with Mike Lee, you've worked with astonishing writers, you've worked with the best actors, you know, it's just been a wonderful career. Well, I, 
I feel, when you say it like that, I mean, I'm always feeling really lucky and fortunate and blessed to be. I mean, the one thing that more than anything is the fact that I graduated when I was 21. And of course, I gave the game away earlier, so work out how many years I've been in this business. And I'm still doing it. I think these books, the, the Alison books, do stand the test of time because they are such a wonderful slice of history now. Yes. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm a contemporary, but so that, you know, this is our childhood too. A, a, but a period piece, But it sure. is a period piece, but it's also um, done with such joie de vivre and affection. You know, she is, she is obviously so in love with the area she's writing about, so entranced by these kids having adventures. Yes, I And know. so forgiving of the adult world who actually try and get in the way quite a lot. And strangely for then, um, when you look back at it, there's very little of it that you would describe as being non-PC. You know, it's all good, clean, fun, without too much stuff that you would balk at hearing. Yeah, yeah. The 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 gendered nature of it leaps out occasionally. Yes. But but it doesn't actually interfere with how delightful the characters are. No, no, not at all. It was I was so I was so happy to have this opportunity to reread something like this after 50-odd years. <laughs> no more mentions of time. No, of time, no. <laughs> well, I can't thank mind. you enough. Honestly, it's been such a treat. Thank you to you, Phyllis Logan, and to the Chiswick Book Festival, and to all of you for coming, and to Sheila Stewart for writing Alison's Spy Adventure. What a treat. Thank you, Janet. Thank you. Janet. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Twice Upon a Time with me, Janet Ellis. The producer is Caroline Raphael. Recording and post-production by John Wakefield and Diggory Waite. All the titles mentioned are on the podcast show page. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at twiceuponapod for pictures of our guests and their brilliant books. And if you like the show, do recommend to a friend or leave us a review. The executive producer is Claire Broughton. And Twice Upon a Time is a hat-trick podcast. <laughs>